0: Chapter 65 Part 1 of It Is Never Too Late To Mend This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org It Is Never Too Late To Mend by Charles Reed Chapter 65 Part 1 black will no sooner found himself inside the tent than he took out a dark lantern and opened the slide cautiously there lay in one corner the two men fast asleep side by side casting the glare around he saw at his feet a dog with a chain round him it startled him for a moment but only for a moment he knew that dog was dead mephistopheles had told him within an hour after the feet was performed close to his very hand was a pair of miner's boots he detached them from the canvas and passed them out of the tent and now looking closely at the ground he observed a place where the soil seemed loose his eye flashed with triumph at this he turned up the openings of the tent behind him to make his retreat clear if necessary he made at once for the loose soil and the moment he moved forward robinson's gut lines twisted his feet from under him he fell headlong in the middle and half a dozen little bells rang furiously at the sleepers heads up jumped tom and george weapons in hand but not before black will had wrenched himself clear and bounded back to the door at the door in his rage at being balked he turned like lightning and levelled his pistol at robinson who was coming at him cutlass in hand the ex thief dropped on his knees and made a furious upward cut at his arm at one and the same moment the pistol exploded and the cutlass struck it and knocked it against the other side of the tent the bullet passed over robinson's head black will gave a yell so frightful that for a moment it paralyzed the men and even with this yell he burst backward through the opening and with a violent wrench of his left hand brought the whole tent down and fled leaving george and robinson struggling in the canvas like cats in an empty flour sack the baffled burglar had fled but a few yards when casting his eye back he saw their helplessness losing danger in hatred he came back not now to rob but murder his left hand lifted high and gleaming like his cruel eye as he prepared to plunge his knife through the canvas flash bang flash bang bang came three pistol shots in his face from the patrol who were running right slap at him not thirty yards off and now it was life or death he turned and ran for his life the patrol blazing and banging at him eighteen shots they fired at him one after another more than one cut his clothes and one went clean through his hat but he was too fleet he distanced them but at the reports diggers peeped out of distant tents and at sight of him running flash bang went a pistol at him from every tent he passed and george and robinson who had struggled out into the night saw the red flashes issue and then heard the loud reports bellow and re-echo as he dodged about down the line and then all was still and calm as death under the cold pure stars Quack they put up their tent again the patrol came panting back he has got off but he carried some of our lead in him go to bed captain we won't leave your tent all night robinson and george lay down again thus guarded the patrol sat by the tent two slept one loaded the arms again and watched in a few minutes the friends were actually fast asleep again lying silent as the vast camp lay beneath the silver stars Grayack, and now it was cold much colder than before darker too no moon now only the silver stars it makes one shiver nature seemed to lie stark and stiff and dead and that accursed crack her dirge all tended to shivering and gloom yet a great event approached a single event a thousand times weightier to the world each time it comes than if with one fell stroke all the kingdoms of the globe became republics and all the republics empires so to remain a thousand years an event a hundred times more beautiful than any other thing the eye can hope to see while in the flesh yet it regaled the other senses too and blessed the universal heart before this prodigious event came its little heralds sweeping across the face of night first came a little motion of cold air it was dead still before then an indefinable freshness then a very slight but rather grateful smell from the soil of the conscious earth next twittered from the bush one little hesitating chirp crayack went the lugubrious quail pooh-poohing the suggestion then somehow rocks and forest and tents seemed less indistinct in shape outlines peeped where masses had been jug jug went a bird with a sweet jurgle in his deep throat crack went the ill-omened one directly disputing the last inch of nature but a gray thrush took up the brighter view o tak o tak o tak o tui o o o o o chi o chi o chi o chi sang the thrush with a decision as well as a melody that seemed to say ah but i am sure of it i am sure i am sure wake up joy joy from that moment there was no more crack the lugubrious quail shut up in despair perhaps in disdain and out gurgled another jug 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 as sweet a chuckle as nature's sweet voice ever uttered in any land and with that a mist like a white sheet came to light but only for a moment for it dared not stay to be inspected i know who is coming i'm off and away it crept off close to the ground and little drops of dew peeped sparkling in the frost powdered grass yak yak ochio filiera po toc tak tak chio chi o chi jug 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 off we go off we go and now a thin red streak came into the sky and perfume burst from the bushes and the woods rang not only with songs some shrill some as sweet as honey but with a grotesque yet beautiful electric merriment of birds that can only be heard in this land of wonders the pen can give but a shadow of the drollery and devilry of the sweet merry rogues that hail the smiling morn ten thousand of them each with half a dozen songs besides chattering and talking and imitating the fiddle the fife and the trombone Neil gow Neil gow, gow wind a leather head take care of my hat cries a thrush in a soft melancholy voice then with frightful harshness and severity where is your back-a-box your box your box then, before any one could answer in a tone that said devil may care where the box is or anything else gyrok dedak de dedak rock chabak. then came a tremendous cackle ending with an obstreperous hoo-hoo-ha from the laughing jackass who had caught sight of the red streak in the sky harbinger like himself of morn and the piping crows or whistling magpies modulating and humming and chanting not like birds but like practised musicians with rich baritone voices, and the next moment creaking just for all the world like punch, or barking like a pug dog, and the delicious thrush with its sweet and mellow tune, nothing in an English wood so honey sweet as his o toc o oh, tak tok O Tui O O O Tui O O Chio Chi O Chi O Chi but the leather heads beat all neil gow neil gow neil gow off we go off we go off we go followed by rapid conversations the words unintelligible but perfectly articulate and interspersed with the oddest chuckles plans of pleasure for the day no doubt then re tittle 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 playing a thing like a fiddle with wires then off we go again and bow wow wow jug 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 jug, jug and the whole lot in exuberant spirits such extravagance of drollery such rollicking jollity evidently splitting their sides with fun and not able to contain themselves for it oh it was 12000 miles above the monotonous and scanty strains of a european wood and when the roving and laughing and harshly demanding baka boxes and then as good as telling you they didn't care a feather for baka boxes or anything else jibrock dab chabak 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 and loudly announcing their immediate departure and perching in the same place all the more and sweet low modulations ending and putting on the steam and creaking like punch and then almost tumbling off the branches with laughing at the general accumulation of nonsense when all the strollery and devilry and joy and absurdity were at their maddest and a thousand feathered fountains bubbling song were at their highest then came the cause of all the merry hubbub the pinnacles of rock glowed burnished gold nature that had crept from gloom to pallor burst from pallor to light and life and burning color the great sun's forehead came with one gallant stride into the sky and it was day out shone ten thousand tents of every size and hue and shape from isaac levi's rood of white canvas down to sugar-loaves and even to miserable roofs built on the bare ground with slips of bark under which unlucky diggers crept at night like badgers roofed beds no more the stars twinkling through chinks in the tester the myriad tents were clustered for full five miles on each side of the river and it wound and sparkled in and out at various distances and shone like a mirror in the distant background at the first ray, the tents disgorged their inmates and the human hive began to hum then came the fight the manoeuvring the desperate's wrestle with nature and the keen fencing with their fellows in short the battle to which that nothing might be wanting our burst the tremendous artillery of ten thousand cradles louder than thunder and roaring and crashing without a pause the base of the two-peaked rock that looks so silvery in the moon is now seen to be covered with manuscript advertisements posted on it we can only read two or three as we run to our work immense reduction in eggs only one shilling each bevan's store go ahead library and registration office for new chums tom long in the dead horse gully if this meets the eye of tom Bowles, he will ear of his pal in the iron-bark gully this is to give notice that whereas my wife elizabeth sutton has taken to drink and gone off with my mate bob i will not be answerable for your debts nor hold any communication with you in future james sutton a young jew nathan issued from levi's tent with a rough table and two or three pair of scales another paraphernalia of a gold assayer and merchant this was not the first mine by many the old jew had traded him his first customers this morning were george and robinson our tent was attacked last night mr levi again humph tom thinks he has got enemies in the camp humph the young man puts himself too forward not to have enemies well said george quickly if he makes bitter enemies he makes warm friends george then explained that his nerve and robinson's were giving way under the repeated attacks we have had a talk and we will sell the best part of our dust to you sir give him the best price you can afford for susan's sake and away went george to look for his quartz river leaving the ex thief to make the bargain and receive the money in the transaction that followed mr levi did not appear to great advantage he made a little advance on the three pounds per ounce on account of the quantity but he would not give a penny above three guineas no business was business he could and would have given george a couple of hundred pounds in day of need but in buying and selling the habits of a life could not be shaken off wherefore robinson kept back eight pounds of gold-dust and sold him the rest for notes of the sydney bank well sir said tom cheerfully now my heart is light what we have got we can carry round our waists now by night or day well friend what do you want poking your nose into the tent coming out suddenly he had run against a man who was in a suspicious attitude at the entrance no offense muttered the man i wanted to sell a little gold dust levi heard what robinson said and came quickly out he seated himself behind the scales where is your gold the man fumbled and brought out about an ounce all the time he waited the jew's keen eye kept glancing into his face he lowered his eyes and could not conceal a certain uneasiness when he was gone levi asked robinson whether he knew that face no said robinson i don't levi called nathan out nathan look at that man follow him cautiously and tell me where we have seen him above all know him again surely that is the face of an enemy then the old man asked himself where he had seen such an eye and brow and shambling walk as that and he fell into a brown study and groped among many years for the clue what is Aaron Go Brog up with the sun for once cried robinson to mary mcdocherty who passed him spade on shoulder sure if she warn't she'd never keep up with Nugget was the instant rejoinder hem how is your husband Mary? och captain it is a true friend ye are for inquiring then it's tied in a knot he is mercy on us tied in a knot tied in a knot entirely with the rheumatism and it's ten days i'm working for him and the children and my heart's broke against gravel and stone entirely i wish it was praetis we are digging i'd maybe dig up a dinner anyway there is no difficulty the secret is to look in the right place Ay, ay! take your diversion, ye sly rogue i wish ye had my five children oh you spiteful cat well eed come to sell a little what is to do out there seems a bit of a crowd what haven't you heard it is your friend Jem. he has got a slice of luck bought a hole of a stranger saw the stuff glitter so offered him thirty pounds he was green and snapped at it and if Jem didn't wash four ounces out the first cradleful i'm a dutchman well i'm right glad of that the young digger now approached respectfully police report captain hand it here may i sit at your table a minute mr levi mr levi bowed assent no clue to the parties that attacked our tent last night none at present captain but we are all on the lookout some of us will be sure to hear of something course of the day and then i'll come and tell you will you read the report there is the week's summary as well of course i will mum mum less violence on the whole this week more petty larceny that is bad i'll put it down mr levi i am determined to put it down what an infernal row the cradles make what is this a great flow of strangers into the camp most thought to be honest but some great roughs also a good many yankees and germans come in at the south side what is this a thief lynched yesterday flung head foremost into a hole and stuck in the clay not expected to live after it go it my boys didn't i say law is the best for all parties thieves included leave it andrew i will examine it with the utmost minuteness the dog used fine words on these occasions that he might pass for a pundit with his clique, and being now alone he pored over his police sheet as solemn and stern as if the nation depended on his investigations a short explosion of laughter from Andrew interrupted this grave occupation the beak looked up with offended dignity and in spite of a mighty effort fell a sniggering for following andrew's eyes he saw two gig umbrellas gliding erect and peaceful side by side among the pits what on earth are they chinamen captain they are too lazy to dig they go about all day looking at the heaps and poking all over the camp they have got eyes like hawks it is wonderful i am told what they contrived to pick up first and last what hats why one of em would roof a tent hurroo what is up now hurroo and up came mary Dalkerty dancing and jumping as only irish ever jumped she had a lump of dim metal in one hand and a glittering mass in the other she came up to the table with a fantastic spring and spanked down the sparkling mass on it bounding back one step like india-rubber even as she struck the table there old gentleman what will ye be after giving me for that sure the luck is come to the right colleen at last i deal but in the precious metals and stones replied isaac quietly sure and isn't gold a precious metal do you offer me this for gold this is not even a metal it is mica yellow mica mikey cried mary ruefully with an inquiring look at this juncture in ran george hot as fire there cried he triumphantly to robinson was i right or wrong what becomes of your gold dust and he laid a nugget as big as his fist on the table ah cone cried the irishwoman they all have the luck barn poor molly mcdougherty the mica was handled and george said to her compassionately you see my poor girl the first thing you should do is to heft it in your hand now see your lump is not heavy like pyrites said isaac dryly handing george back his lump no pyrites is heavier than mica and gold Than pyrites mr levi don't go to tell me this is not a metal remonstrated george rather sulkily for i won't have it nay it is a metal replied levi calmly and a very useful metal but not of the precious metals it is iron how can it be iron when it is yellow and how is one to know iron from gold at any rate be patient my son said the old jew calmly and learn take this needle here is a scale of gold take it up on the needle point you have done it why because gold is a soft metal now take up this scale from your pyrites i can not no because iron is a hard metal here is another childish test a bloodstone called by some the touchstone rub the pyrites on it it colors it not a hard metal now rub this little nugget of pure gold i have just bought ay this stains the stone yellow a soft metal here in this little phial is muriatic acid pour a drop on my nugget the metal defies it now pour on your pyrite see how it smokes and perishes it cannot resist the acid there are many other tests but little needed no metal no earthly substance resembles gold in the least not to a jew's eye whispered robinson and much i marvel that any man or even any woman who has been in a gold mine and seen and handled virgin gold should take mica here he knocked the mica clean off the table or pyrites here he spanged that in another direction for the royal medal i'll tell you what to do mary began robinson cheerfully hallo she is crying here's a faint heart ah captain dear pat and me we are kilt right out for want of luck oh oh we niver found but one gold and that was mikey we can't fall upon luck of any sort good bad or indifferent that is where i'm broke and spiled and kilt entirely ho oh oh don't cry you've chosen a bad spot captain vic they do be turning it up like carrots on both sides of huz and i dig right down as if i'd go through the orald back to dear old ireland again he 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 oh ho and i do be praying to the virgin at every stroke of the spade i do and she sends us no gold at all at all barrin mikey bad says to it Oh that is it you are on two wrong tacks you dig perpendicular and pray horizontal now you should dig horizontal and pray perpendicular ah captain thems hard words for poor molly mcdocherty to quarry through what is that in your hand sure it is an elegant lump o lead i found replied poor mary the base metal rising in estimation since her gold turned out dross ye are great with the revolver captain said she coaxingly ye'll be afther giving me the last pinch of the rail stuff for it robinson took the lump good heavens what a weight cried he he eyed it keenly come mr levi cried he here is a fine. be generous she is unlucky i shall be just said the old man gravely he weighed the lump and made a calculation on paper then handed her forty sovereigns she looked at them oh now it is mocking me ye are old man and she will not take the money on this he put it coolly down on the table what is it at all asked she faintly platinum replied isaac coldly and a magnificent lump of it cried robinson warmly ah captain ah captain dear and what is platinum at all if ye please, it is not like your mica said isaac see it is heavier than gold and far more precious than silver it has noble qualities it resists even the simple acid that dissolves gold fear not to take the money i give you but your medals value minus the merchant's just profit platinum is the queen of the medals ah captain navic ah ah come here till i eat you and she flung her arm round robinson's neck and bestowed a little furious kiss on him then she pranced away then she pranced back platinum you are the boy ye are the queen of the middles. may the lord bless you old gentleman, and the saints bless you and the virgin mary bless you and she made at isaac with the tears in her eyes to kiss him but he waved her off with calm repulsive dignity heroo and the child of nature bounded into the air like an antelope and frisked three times then she made another set at them may you live till the skirts of your coat knock your brains out the pair of ye heru, then with sudden demureness and here's wishing you all sorts of luck good bad and indifferent my darlings platinum for river and gould to the divil cried she suddenly with a sort of musical war-shout the last words being uttered three feet high in air and accompanied with a vague kick utterly impossible in that position except to irish and intended it is supposed to send the obnoxious metal off the surface of the globe for ever and away she danced breakfast now and all the cradles stopped at once what a delightful calm said robinson now i can study my police-sheet at my ease this morning as he happened to be making no noise the noise of others worried him mr levi how still and peaceful they are when their time comes to grub the still sow sups the kale and we used to say in the north the english turn the proverb differently they say the silent hog jabber 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 Ay, ay! hallo there's a scrimmage and there go all the fools rushing to see it i'll go too alas poor human nature the row was this the peaceful children of the moon whom last we saw gliding side by side vertical and seemingly imperturbable had yielded to the genius loci and were engaged in bitter combat after the manner of their nation the gig umbrellas were resolved into their constituent parts the umbrellas proper or hats lay on the ground the sticks or men rolled over one another scratching and biting europe wrenched them asunder with much pain and held them back by their tails grinning horribly at each other and their long claws working unamiably the diggers were remonstrating their morality was shocked is that the way to fight what are fists given us for ye varmint robinson put himself at the head of the general sentiment i must do a bit of beak here cried he bring those two tomcats up before me the proposal was received with acclamation a high seat was made for the self-constituted beak and mr Stevens was directed to make the orientals think but he was the lawful magistrate of the mine mr stevens entering into the fun persuaded the orientals who were now gig umbrellas again that robinson was the mandarin who settled property and possessed among other trifles the power of life and death on this they took off their slippers before him and were all struck and secretly wished they had not kicked up a row still more that they had stayed quiet by the banks of the huang ho robinson settled himself demanded a pipe and smoked calm and terrible while his myrmidons kept their countenances as well as they could after smoking in silence a while, he demanded of the chinese what was the row first chinaman jabber 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 second chinaman jabber 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 both jabber 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 what is that can't they speak any english at all no no wonder they can't conduct themselves then remarked a the digger the judge looked him into the earth for the interruption you get the story from them and tell it after a conference mr stevens came forward it is about a nugget of gold which is claimed by both parties robinson stop bring the nugget into court that is the regular course great interest began to be excited and all their necks craned forward when mr stevens took from one of the chinese the cause of so sanguinary a disturbance and placed it on the judge's table a roar of laughter followed it was between a pea and a pin's head in magnitude robinson you know this is shocking asia i'm ashamed of you silence in the court proceed with the evidence mr stevens this one saw the gold shining and he said to the other ah robinson writing his notes said to the other ah stop what was the chinese for ah stevens ah robinson oh andrew come the beggars have got hold of some of our words robinson silence in the court andrew i ask pardon captain stevens but the other pounced on it first so they both claim it robinson well i call it a plain case stevens so i told them robinson exactly which do you think ought to have it stevens why i told them we have a proverb losers seekers finders keepers robinson of course and which was the finder stevens oh of course this one that hum well to be sure he only said ah he did not point then perhaps but on the other hand hmm, robinson why don't you see but no yes why it must be the one that ugh drat you both why couldn't one of you find it and the other another robinson was puzzled at last he determined that this his first judgment should satisfy both parties remove the prisoners said he are they the prisoners or the witnesses remove them anyway and keep them apart robinson then searched his pockets and produced a little gold swan shot scarce distinguishable from the chinese he put this on the table and took up the other fetch in number one the chinaman came in with obeisances and misgivings but when the judge signed to him to take up the gold which he mistook for the cause of quarrel his face lightened with a sacred joy he receded and with a polite gesture cleared a space. then advancing one foot with large and lofty grace he addressed the judge whose mouth began to open with astonishment in slow balanced and musical sentences this done he retired with three flowing salaams to which the judge replied with three little nods what on earth did the beggar say what makes you grin mr stevens Stephen he said click robinson come tell me first laugh after stevens he said may your highness flourish like a tree by the side of a stream that never overflows yet is never dry but glides click even and tranquil as the tide of your prosperity robinson will i consent stevens may dogs defile the graves of your enemies robinson with all my heart provided i am not dancing over them at the time Stevens, when satiated with earthly felicity, may you be received in paradise by seventy dark-eyed hurries. Robinson, O oh my eye! Stevens, click, each bearing in her hand the wine of the faithful, and may the applause of the good at your departure resemble the waves of the ocean beating musically upon rocket caverns. Thy servant, inexperienced in oratory, retires abashed at the greatness of his subject and the insignificance of his expressions, so then he cut his stick robinson a very sensible speech well boys i am not greedy i take the half of that offer and give you the rest bring in the other gentlemen number two advanced with reverences and misgivings robinson placed the gold on the table and assigned it to him a sacred joy illumined him and he was about to retire with deep obeisances where is his speech cried the judge ruefully stevens explained to him that the other had returned thanks on this number two smiled assentingly and advancing delivered the following sentences your slave lay writhing in adversity despoiled by the unprincipled he was a gourd withered by the noonday sun until your virtues descended like the dew and refreshed him with your justice and benignity wherefore hear now the benediction of him whom your clemency has raised from despair may your shadow increase and cover many lands may your offspring be a nation dwelling in palaces with golden roofs and walls of ivory and on the terraces may peacocks be as plentiful as sparrows are to the undeserving may you live many centuries shining as you now shine and at your setting may rivulets of ink dug by the pens of poets flow through meadows of paper in praise of the virtues that embellish you here on earth sing to chi a person of small note but devoted to your service wishes these frivolous advantages to the pearl of the west on whom be honor chorus of diggers my eye robinson rose with much gravity and delivered himself thus sing to chi you are a trump an orator and a humbug all the better for you may felicity attend you heister Guster, honi soit qui mali donor un blitzen tempera montantur cara and pax robiscum. the court is dissolved it was and i regret to add that judge robinson's concluding sentences raised him greatly in the opinion of the miners captain knows a thing or two if ever we send one to parliament that is the man hallo you fellows come here come here a rush was made toward jem who was roaring and gesticulating at mr levi's table when they came up they found jem black and white with rage and mr levi seated in calm indifference what is it asked robinson the merchant refuses my gold i refuse no man's gold objected levi coolly but this stuff is not gold not gold dust cried a miner and they all looked with wonder at the rejected merchandise mr levi took the dust and poured it out from one hand to the other he separated the particles and named them by some mighty instinct brass or malu gilt platinum to give it weight this is from birmingham not from australia nor nature such as it is it cost me thirty pounds cried jem keep it i shall find him my spade shall never go into the earth again till i'm quits with this one that is right roared the men bring him to us and the captain shall sit in judgment again and the men's countenances were gloomy for this was a new roguery and struck at the very root of gold-digging i'll put it down mr levi said robinson after the others had gone to their work here is a new dodge drummingen planted on us so far from home i will pull it down with a tenpenny cord but i'll end it crash went ten thousand cradles the mine had breakfasted i wish i could give the european reader an idea of the magnitude of this sound whose cause was so humble i must draw on nature for a comparison End of chapter sixty five part one